Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Loretta McNary Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Everybody, welcome in to Loretta McNary Live, and today is the third Wednesday, so it's Loretta McNary Live presents Wednesdays with our PR and fashion guru Ian Nazarell from the, on the West Coast over there making things happen from a PR perspective, and also fashion and now art. Um, so we're going to be talking to her. We're going to talk with her about um, fashion and art and, of course, give you some branding tips and PR tips along the way. But this show is one of our um, most listened-to shows because I know people that listen, you can always glean some um, nuggets of wisdom for life and changes in style when you tune in to Ian and I. So we're very happy that she will be um, calling in momentarily. But before that, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. As you know, it is... Um, a new year, and <laughs> well, we're at the end of the year, but it's a new year for the Best in Black Award, um, sponsored by and hosted by the Tri-State Defender here in Memphis, Tennessee, and voting has gone. It ends on Sunday, September 22nd, and your girl, <laughs> me, Loretta McNary, I am so humbled and honored and excited to to let you all know that you can vote for me in seven categories. Yes, that is so amazing. I'm so thankful to God for that. And so you can vote every day, once a day, at www.bestinblackawards.com. All you got to do is put your name, your email address, and no, they're not going to be emailing you every day or anything like that. It's just a way of keeping the voting, the voting legitimate and fair. So you vote in all those categories, and my pink eagles, uh, is up for best women's organization. So we are up in every category. We uh, are competing against some amazing people. I mean, simply some of the creme de la creme, the best, the best. And so we are very honored to be in those categories as well. But we want to invite you to vote for us in those seven. And in the other categories, vote for all the other people, And as I am doing too. So I vote once a day, not only for myself, but for other people that I uh, think are fantastic and um, some of the best at what what they do. So that's uh, bestinblackawards.com. So um, the Loretta and Mary show, the TV portion of what I do, we were airing, we're growing into um, markets. Like I, my goal was this year to be in four other markets. So um, in a week or two, we're going to be on the CW30, that's um, local um television station here that goes into, you know, many cities, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, I think is, you know, it's like so many, almost a million households or more than a million households. Then October 3rd, we launch into the Nashville area. Yes, we are growing. 
be in Nashville October 3rd on their Channel 5 Plus station there at, I think it's yeah, Thursday at 1 a.m., not I think. So we're doing some amazing things, and soon we'll be branching into the San Francisco area on a station there, but we'll give you more information on that as we sign our contracts. That's when we release the information, not before, because anything can happen. So we're excited about the movement. Everybody, welcome to Loretta Missionary Live, our very own PR and fashion guru, Ianat Burrell. Hi, Loretta. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I am. It seems like I've been missing you. Um, so we're gonna have to fix that. Okay, is it? I I said I feel like I've been I've been missing you. So we're gonna have to fix that. Oh, I know. We have it. You know what? It's okay because I know you had your huge annual event. It was your ninth year for Fashion on the Square, right? And I know just based yeah. on the pictures, I wish I was there. I wish. I totally missed it, but I will not miss your 10th anniversary. I am definitely <laughs> going to be there for that. No way am I missing it. And plus, I shall be, uh, you know, the show will be airing in Francisco by that time as well. So there's no reason yeah. for me not to come. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. So, yeah. I'll be looking forward to it. I will be looking forward to it. So we, we definitely had the ninth annual and it was it was amazing. Um I wanted to for for our conversation today, I certainly want to share a little bit of it, but I really wanted to focus on the topic, the arts and fashion and delve a little bit more into that because I'm so so passionate about folks understanding how that can really work. So mm-hmm. um, and we definitely had an art component at the ninth annual. And, and just by far, I need to say thank you to the national audience because although each one of you were not there physically, from the social media campaign that we were running, from all the tweets and Instagram and impressions and all of that, it was just, Insanity at the highest level, which was amazing, amazing. We had a largest crowd ever. We had 550 people in attendance, and it was it was just great. I cannot um, I cannot complain. We were able to raise money for our scholarship. That's what this was all about: raising money to give a scholarship to a student. We presented them with that scholarship, and just every designer from uh, B. Michael, who just he opened the show and he set the tone. He was just fantastic. And um, I was excited to see that when I was looking at the video footage from New York Fashion Week, which he did a couple weeks after Fashion on the Square, he introduced his men's line. Oh, my God. It is just, it's amazing. So he has a men's line now. So now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm coming back. So the designers, the student designers, Colleen Quinn, our honoree, did a 41 look segment, which was just oh my goodness, 41 pieces, yeah. 41 wow. pieces, 41 looks. It was a it was a production. We had Rock Rio, one of our favorite Bay Area designers there, who just just turned the crowd upside down. Had just the best in design, had the finest looking men, and um, <laughs> with JC Penny did. 35 looks for our children and youth, and um, we had Michelle Burns who did a swimwear. I, I cannot tell you the 
stories that have come out of spots. And we can kind of see them because I try and post them. We've had models being picked up by designers, models being signed, just all kinds of other surprises I can't mention just yet because I'm but I do want to tell everybody, because we're talking about it, we're creating all this buzz and energy for people who haven't um, heard of or gone to the website. Her website for Fashion on the Square is that, fashiononthesquare.com. So you can go and see pictures from um, 2013 and previous years as well, and you will see talking about. And I'm telling you, if the pictures are half, or a smidgen of what went on that day, oh, my goodness, we, we missed so much. So make sure you, you mark your calendars, too. It's in, you know, in August, toward the middle of August of each year, so we got to make sure that we pack the house for her 10th anniversary. Go to fashiononthesquare.com. And, and, and actually, I, I'm going to have to figure out that August date because um, it's so close to September. Normally we're in July, but we're I would like to be back in July. But nonetheless, it it has created such – I always think, oh, my God, what are we going to do next year? What are we going to do next year? But just know that the demand is so high to have a multiple-day event. I'll just put a pin in it right there. I'm not going to go further than that. But just almost know that you will be experiencing and enjoying more than one day of Fashion on the Square for the 10th anniversary. So, it um, And the planning of it began even before the show happened. So even before August 18th of this year, the 10th anniversary planning began. That's just how it has to go. You have to kind of already be Right, because you don't actually have a moment to say, ooh, that was good, that was great, that was awesome, everybody, thank you so much. And then you have to immediately into thinking about and putting <laughs> plans in place and ideas and writing them down. Don't get to, you know, spend too much time thinking because, you know what, we're on, people – Stay there too long anyway. I think you have to keep recreating your energy and mm-hmm. your endorphins are being released because you have such a magnificent event. You got to use that and hone it in for the next event. Mm-hmm. You really do, um, Loretta. And I don't. I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to know what goes into it, but I have to say, aside from the hours, aside from the many, many, it's an emotional and physical experience. You have to actually be mentally prepared and your body has to be physically prepared to really take it on because you're taking in so much. You're doing, when we say 24-hour days, you're doing 24-hour days, and it still doesn't get all done. So, and, and mind you, that if it's just something that Glasshouse produces as a charity event, this is, is apart from what I do every day for my clients. So a client cannot miss a beat. They can't, you know, you cannot miss a beat with the client while this is happening because otherwise you'll lose business. So this goes on year-round, and the team, Sherelle Savoy, who is our backstage director, did outstanding, so much so that she is in demand to do other jobs. So I'm super excited about her and her Unsung Diva production team. And Cheryl Sennett, who is our children's director, if you see some of the pictures of the kids, it's just it's really funny. <laughs> um, then we had we, my sister friend, Tamiko Garner, who is the owner of a business, All Things Simple, was in my right hand, my left hand, and, and all the in-between when I had to, like, be held for a minute. She was just amazing. JoJo was our the first time doing production, and she landed it. We didn't have any misbeats on music, on the videos, 
everything was on time. We had no breaks. We had it was just she did an amazing job with Darren Hodges and also with our DJ and it it just it, it just went on and on. Um, I, I can't say thank you enough. But I, I will say, Loretta, that one of the things that we did was we opened the show with a 15-year-old girl who is a singer and our ballerina, Caroline Roche mm-hmm. from Alonzo King Live Ballet. And we did a collaboration of the song and the dance. And can you imagine opening the show with that energy? It absolutely <laughs> set the tone. Of, I mean, it. I, I think I have to post now. I, I didn't post a lot of the videos because they are proprietary and, and things like that, but I may have to post that particular one because that segment was just was just amazing. And wow. I began, it, it, was, it really, really was. And Caroline Roche is the, who I call the face of Alonzo Kinline Ballet. It's so gracious. It's so professional. She's so talented. And she's been dancing over 20 years, I think way more than 20 years. And I have to say that when I think about fashion and this art component, I really want to reach out and challenge a lot of the publicists and PR folks and bloggers that are in this space to really think about we have a multi-billion-dollar business in fashion. We have the arts that are being cut every day. Fashion is not being cut. Beauty is not being cut. So you have a designer cropping up every day. You have moguls that are that have ateliers and, and houses in Paris and Milan, and all this is happening. But then the art, that the thing that fuses intelligence in children, the thing that gets the creativity in children and youth is being cut out of schools, programs after school programs. And so I really would like for the publicists who are fashion publicists to think about how can how can they help the art and at the same time still not miss a beat. And there's a way to do that because it's – and I'll give you an example. I think the next day after Fashion on the – well, we've done it with the ballerina, but the next day after Fashion on the Square, and I can't really say any names, names I got an email from a, a well-known museum in San Francisco. And the museum, a, a person who works there – sent this email that said they were looking for, they knew about Fashion on the Square, they knew what, what I had done and things like that. So they were looking, they were about to do an exhibit of a well-known jeweler, an internationally known jeweler. They were about to do a whole exhibit, and they wanted to have a fashion show with a couture designer that could embody this jewelry. And now, mind you, this was less than 24 hours after the show. Not only did it almost <laughs> fall off the chair, <laughs> in addition to almost passing out and falling out the chair, I thought they got it within 24 hours. This well-known historical museum in San Francisco quickly understood how they were able to make the connection of the uh, fashion and art because jewelry is art and blend and blend them together. Because now you have your art enthusiasts and your fashion enthusiasts in the house under the same roof, that means you have more ticket sales, you have more eyeballs looking, you have more interested folks. It's just, it's smart. And so when I saw that, I just, I mean, part of me melted, then I was all excited, and then I still hadn't slept, you know, and it it all made sense. So I, I don't know that PR individuals will think immediately how that could benefit, but I have to tell you, even 
those designers that are at the top of their game, so to speak, even those that have, if they're in big, big stores, there is still yet another level that they can go into when they blend those two arts together. And I, I really, and it, it takes, it will take a creative writing. It will take someone who knows something of the arts to be able to make the case for support, but it won't be difficult. It won't be difficult at all to do. So it's it's a matter of reaching out, whether it's a symphony, the ballet, it could be visual arts, it could be fine arts. It, all of those components, fashion has a place there, and we have to find a way to keep some sustainability of the arts throughout the nation. Of course, of course I'm in California, so I'm passionate about California. But throughout the nation, because otherwise, our children and our youth are going to be coming into this world with less creativity, or they're going to be just STEM. We talk about STEM, um, and, and and there's a lot of money going into that in terms of education. But the arts, by far, stimulates the mind in a way that is just is just different, and it's important. It's very important. I agree with you, and I and I think what has happened, or what I see has happened. It's almost like they can't. They they they're not allowing kids to have it all. So it it was art, mm-hmm. and then now STEM is taking over. So it's like now they're asking people to choose, but they shouldn't ask people to choose. They can coexist because we're still leaving out a huge population of kids who are very creative and artistic, who can mm-hmm. you know in these various areas like dance, art, fine arts, um, performing arts. So they shouldn't have to choose. So money should still go into the arts, and not. And I, I agree. STEM's awesome. It is awesome, awesome, awesome. But it can coexist with the arts, and I, I don't think they should, you know, choose one of over the other. And I think that, and I see that it's happening. So with your movement and your challenge to other art people, to people in fashion and people in arts to get together and make this stuff happen so that children no longer have to choose between STEM or programs like STEM and the arts because it should they they have always coexisted and they mm-hmm. should continue to coexist. But it will not happen if people who have influenced you and like this show mm-hmm. and like others um, who are doing the same thing, unless we get in this movement and get involved and start creating, creating. There's mm-hmm. tons. There's so many mm-hmm. things that you can pull into it. And that's one that endeared me when we first met. And you said, well, I don't do the, um, you know, I, I do get my clients on Live at Nines and the CBS and Today Show or whatever, but I try to build events around them or get them involved in other events. And I'm like, this girl truly thinks, she knows there's no so she doesn't think outside the box. She clearly knows there is no box. So that's one thing that I <laughs> I really admire about you. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. I and I often well, how did you start and how did you and I wish I had. I do have a story and I wish I could put more on it. I, I'm just so grateful to to have a family that is colorful. We got a colorful family, and so we've never been. <laughs> Restricted, we say colorful. But one of the things, and speaking of STEM, there's a, I won't say a large movement, but there's a movement to call it STEAM. So you have science, technology, engineering, arts, and the math. So instead of STEM, it's called STEAM. So that came up a couple times. And that was, yeah, can you imagine? But I'll tell you something just like with most things, you put it out there. If it's consistent, 
you have a group of folks who are consistent about it. We start hashtagging it. We start making it. They Like I say, it's a lifestyle all the time. Now I say it and go now. I do that now. But you get enough of hashtagging steam and get, getting that dialogue going, it creates a buzz. And with, the, with any buzz, folks are going to want to know what's that about and, and on and on. But one of the – about making choices – one of the things that I, I know for sure, when you think of autistic children, the most creative in the arts individuals that you can imagine. They are, mm-hmm. they they have, you talk about no boundaries. They don't even think about boundaries or anything like that. So a lot of times we wonder, why would an autistic child be so talented in the arts? It's that thing that is authentic and organic, and it has no teaching necessarily. So if you want to be a scientist, you know we have to go A, B, C, D, education, this and that. If you want to be an engineer, this and that. If you want to be an artist, you show up, and I'm an artist. It doesn't require, at least from the broader scale, any type of validity from a school, from a professor, from any institution. You can say today, I'm an artist, and that's what fashion fashion designers do. I'm an artist. I'm a fashion designer. You don't say, so did you go to Parsons or did you go? And those are very reputable and much-needed schools. But in these spaces, you are not. But you cannot go to NASA, walk in the door, and say, okay, I'm a scientist, and then where's the job? They're going to check for credentials and school and things like that. But you can walk into a museum. You can walk into a park. You can walk anywhere and say, I'm an artist. And nobody's going to say, can I see your credentials? Because artists and art and things of that nature, whether it's painting or visual or fashion, is is creativity. And you can't teach that. That is something that's organic and it's new and and it's different for everyone. Now, when you want to hone your art, that's another thing. So for publicists who are really interested in broadening, some of their client reach, and getting outside of how many placements can I get, how many product, how many celebrities can can be wearing this, how many stores can I, if they want to really go outside of that, look at potentially those who, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Breaking Point, but that mm-hmm. show, it just ended this, it's about a ballet company called Ballet West. And the, the last episode was the other night. And it was a, the journey of a ballet company. And the ultimate was the production of Cinderella, which was amazing. Oh, wow. One of the reasons I was very – I, I didn't even know Cinderella was that difficult. But one of the dancers is actually from San Francisco. So he, there are two brothers. One is still in San Francisco with the San Francisco Ballet. And the other brother is with Ballet West. And so that was my first interest in it. And then overall, just ballet in general. When you think about that type of collaboration, we're talking about major costume design, right? We're talking about major yes. production. Okay, we're, these designs and these costumes and these uh, tutus and all this stuff is huge. I mean, huge. And Colleen Quinn, as amazing as she is, I didn't even know that she designed for Alonzo King Lines Ballet. So she was designing wardrobe for them, and I didn't even, I didn't, I, she gets it. 
she gets going outside of being in the stores. So when you're thinking about, for publicists who are thinking about, I have a new designer, I need to break them into something, the stores are saturated, I, I don't have enough inventory, I don't have enough money to do this or that, really think about how your designer can infuse the arts and whether it's in dance, whether it's in with children, it could, and because children are, are dancers as well. They have a, a children's and a junior ballet. They, these kids start, of course, when they're three and four. That's when they start dancing. And really uh-huh. be more intentional about we, de- we definitely have to make money. We definitely want our designer on top. We want our designer on the racks and their stuff flying off the racks. I would like for PR individuals to think more sustainability something more longevity. And when you make an impact like that, your resources begin to come from more than one source. So instead of just being the stores, now you're in the museums and you're in art galleries and and you're being, now you're on theater, you're on Broadway. So how can your designer be much more broad in what they're doing? And and custom and wardrobe designing is is very, very unique. But I, and I'm not a designer. I I I can't, so I don't do any of that. But when it comes to PR that I'm very passionate about, I create out-of-the-box experiences for my clients that are very different, that put them in a platform and in a space where more than their product is seen. So it's just that multiple branding that I kind of go into. So, And I, I, and I always give a shout-out to shout-out to 510 Media because they are Mashama Thompson and, and also Nana they are brilliant in their thought processes when they think about, when they take clients through this this thing called branding and marketing. And I always tap into their brains when I, okay, I got an idea, and they'll look at me. Ian, I know. Ian, you're doing too much. Ian, I'm really back. So you have to have those kind of individuals around you to to kind of pull it, pull it all together. So, yeah. Yeah. So any publisher wow, who are listening, so we have to. So you're saying so um, things that we don't think about when we're running our day to day businesses. You have yet to say that you did it all by yourself and your own personal team. You have called out names from so many different organizations and so many different facets within the fashion and the public relations. Um, industry. So it takes a team of people and you have to pull other plans. You can't do things on that kind of level by yourself. You have to allow people who are really good at things do what they're really good at and you say to yourself, I'm not a designer. I don't I don't so but you have <laughs> created this phenomena of a fashion show that and you don't sew. So <laughs> that's just again that that is part of your your fabulousness. So I want people to understand you have to create collaborations. You have to create partnerships. You have to bring you know, you just cannot sit on an island by yourself and say, This is me, this is me you know, although you can get all that right. kind of credit, but it could be even grander than you ever imagine if you pull in other people. And, you know, Loretta, one of the things I found as we bring the conversation to a close, and I here we're in our ninth year, and this just dawned on me, I think this year for sure, and it kind of trickled in last year, when I think about the team and I think about who they are from their nine-to-five lives and then who they are with Fashion on the Square, they are not even in fashion. They're not. One one young lady is 
is in a, she has a JD, she ran for Congress, she's, you know, all of that. Another young lady is in healthcare. Another, they are not even in fashion. So, and that's what makes it powerful. These are team members that know stellar production. They know what it takes yeah. to make a performance. They understand the marketing of just period, not marketing, fashion, but they understand the value of social media. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are team members who are graduates of fashion schools who are doing retail or doing merchandising or are designers or all of that, but the majority of the team members are business. They're, they're in marketing mm-hmm. or they're in nonprofit organizations or they're leading their own their own companies, and that makes the difference to me because when you start getting a whole bunch of folks on your team that are interested in fashion, they were all in the mirror all day long. No, no work is going to get done. So we're going to think about, you know, what dress we're going to wear, what we're going to, all of that. No, no work is done. But when you have the trenches of someone who is about production, getting the hands dirty, getting down on the ground, if you get a chance, and I'll say this in closing, it was 2 a.m., fashion on the square, we did the VIP reception, and everything was going well. Loretta, it was 1.32 a.m., and it was four of us left, myself and three of the other team members. And we took a picture. We laid out. It's on my page, on my timeline. We laid out on the runway because the runway was still up in the room, and there were rose petals on the runway because Colleen Quinn ended her segment with rose petals. It was beautiful. And we stretched out (laughs) on the runway, and they took a picture of us, the three of us, laid out on the runway, and we said, this is what it's about. At the end of the day, it's 2 a.m., and even the producer and founder of this event, I do not separate myself from the trenches and lifting and all of that. So we lay out on the runway at 2 a.m. because we were still cleaning up while everyone else <laughs> had gone and, you know, people went on with their lives. And I said, but that was about relationships because we had to make sure that the hotel the, param- the the premises, everything was right because it's a relationship with that hotel as well that I need to maintain. I'm not going to leave it just just crazy. So Absolutely, anyway, even if you can, you know, and they don't require that sometimes paying for that, but you still want to yeah. leave a great, you want to leave your S's and your L, X, L, you want to leave your excellence. <laughs> yeah. So you want to make sure that's always done, and that's a whole enough show for us to talk about, you know, excellence and your reputation. But I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're super busy, but we have to do our third Wednesdays just to inform everybody and inspire them and, you know, just keep thinking broader and grander. And if you want small, that's fine, too. But we want you to just at least think about it. So, Ian, you are the best, and I look forward to our conversation next month and you and I chatting soon. Okay, I'm going to call you right now if you're free. I want to share a couple, I, want, I want to talk to you about something, okay? Uh, so you read my mind, and it was a prayer answer. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Loretta McLeod presents Wednesdays with Ian Navarrell, our PR and fashion guru. It has been a pleasure to have with you today, and we thank you so much for listening in. Tune in tomorrow, Thursday, September 19th for my conversation with Gabby Rose. She's an amazing expert when it comes to weight loss. She'll share her story and nuggets that can help you get your weight loss on. And um, as always, thanks for the dream big dreams. Have someone along the way, and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye, everybody.